Happy birthday, 23 years, baby, come on. It's all about Jesus. Who's the man? Amen, amen, amen. Amen, you may be seated, you may be seated. We want to say, <laughs> happy birthday to all our rock campuses and uh, City Heights, uh, Chula Vista, East County, San Marcos, and our new official new campus. We, we, we planted in Oahu, but it's officially, officially one of our campuses in Oahu. God bless y'all. Let's give them a welcome to the family. Come on, Oahu. And also, it is, I don't know what birthday it is for. Uh... Oh, we're going to say happy birthday. We're going to say happy birthday. Okay, okay. Come on, church. 23, come on, give God praise for 23 years. It's a surprise, right? It's a surprise. Surprise, a little surprise. Oh, by the way, it's out. It's our 23rd year. I don't know if you can see that, the 23. That looked like 32. Yeah, there can, it is, Can you see the 23 right there? Don't, don't bump the cake. So the staff got me some new 23s right here. Come on now. Jordan. Hold on, wait a minute. And they told me not to crease them. No. Because if I crease them, I can't resell them. Show them how you had to walk. <laughs> show, show them how you have to walk. Oh, yeah. I, I, I got I to gotta do the, uh, the gritty. <laughs> I've been doing the gritty all day. Like. Hey! Hey! <laughs> <laughs> they told me that, that I could sell them for more, for more than I bought them for. More than y'all bought them for. <laughs> but, um, yeah. I, how y'all like my sneakers? I haven't, I haven't had... See, back in New York, we call them sneakers, sneakers. sneakers. Anyway, it's 23 years' birthday. We want to sing. Howard's going to help us sing. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Amen, 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 amen. I thought it was my birthday. I'm 23, okay. Um, you know how we say, who's the man? Who's the man? Jesus. Uh, that was actually, uh, I don't know what year it was, but we started our church at two, in the year 2000 at San Diego State, Montezuma Hall. Uh, Montezuma Hall has since been remodeled, but we, we started there on February 27th, so technically tomorrow, February 27th, the year 2000. And uh, the, the, during the service, people would say, Jesus, Jesus. And I was like, how can we get people to say it on demand? And, and so it was like, who's the man? They would say, Jesus. And that's where it came from. So I don't know what year that was, but um, it has been an amazing, amazing 23 years. God has done incredible things. And we want to show you some stats, but um, just to give you an idea of the things that we've done, that not we have done, yes, we we have done, the people that have been through our doors over the years. Um, here, put those stats up there. And give you perspective, we, had, we moved 33 times in the first five years. Uh, what that means is that we were in Montezuma Hall, and there were 33 Sundays in the first three years, that, uh, five years, that we could not meet in that building. So sometimes we'd be outside in the opening theater. Sometimes we'd be downtown uh, at, you know, the, the convention center, all over the place, different hotels, until we'd be able to get a, a permanent location. So uh, we had 120,000, 127 million online presentations, 37 uh, countries impacted. 163,000 salvations, that's in person. That, and uh, if you look below that, 2.5 million digital salvations, people online that got saved around the world. Uh, 
229,000 people, Toys for Joy event, bottom right, 3.1 million service hours in San Diego. It just goes on and on and on. And that is what y'all have done. We're a do something church. Everyone say do something. It is not about just this service. It's not about just hearing a sermon. It's not about just having worship in this building. It is about this is our huddle. If you go to a football game, they have a huddle. They call the play, and then they go out and execute the play. We execute the play outside the building. And it's so critical when you come to church that you come here to get inspired, learn something, get encouraged, encourage somebody else, and then say, okay, now who am I going to encounter out in my community and my family that needs to hear the gospel? That's, what, that's the kind of church where, that, that, and, our, and, and that's our value, one of our values is being a do-something church. Can I get amen? amen? Oh, good. Let's turn to Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13, then I'm going to pray here in a minute. Luke chapter 13. Luke, I am your father. Luke 13. And what I'm going to do today is I'm going to talk for a few minutes and then we're going to have some interviews. Uh, a, a few people here and every single campus is going to break off uh, digitally and they're going to have their own interviews on their campuses uh, to hear from some people in their, in their perspective campuses. But I just want to share a short word to kind of get us focused on uh, what we've been doing, what we've been talking about. We're in a series called Firm Foundation, and we've been talking about the values of the church. What do we stand for? And I'm going to read through them very briefly. One, Jesus is our message. Everyone say Jesus is our message. It's not about politics. It's about the person of Jesus Christ. It's about the person of Jesus Christ. Worship is our posture. Say worship is our posture. We, 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 we come to the Lord and every day we should have a posture of worship that we are responding to the glory of God. Number three, love is our motivation. Say love is our motivation. We need to be doing things out of love. Uh, prayer is our priority. Say prayer is our priority. When something happens, we need to pray. We all got drama in our life. We need to pray. That needs to be our priority. Uh, discipleship is our calling. We're all called to be disciples. Say discipleship is our calling. People are our focus. And today, do something is our response. And say that, do something is our response. <laughs> My bad, I'm not being a good director today. Um, when things happen, we want to be able to respond and do something. When there were fires here, uh, right? Matter of fact, the first three months we moved into this building here, San Diego caught on fire. And we had a couple hundred people spend the night here for five days. And we had food and, and clothes and uh, I don't know if you remember those fires in 2007. Uh, COVID, we fixed out 300-something thousand masks, N95 masks. We want to be responding to people's needs in the community. Amen? It is something that I hope in your mind you think, oh, I'm a Christian. And when something happens, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Who do you want me to help? Because if, 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 if our faith doesn't get there, it's just, it's just empty religion. And so I, I want to encourage all of you that God is going to speak to you, and I, hope, I know he does, but in the moment when you're at the, the mall, you're driving down Rosecrans, you're driving down El Cajon Boulevard, wherever you are, and you're seeing something, you're at school, and you see someone in need, and, and you're like looking around going, well, who's going to do it? You. You. The reason I'm standing here is because two hippies saw me in a department store when I was 19 and said, we're going to get that guy. And they came over to me and shared the gospel with me. And I was like, okay, I'll accept Jesus. And so I, that's who you are. God, that's who we are as a church. And, and I, one of my passions is to motivate you to go do something. 
Go do something. Go help somebody. You want, if there's a need, don't, don't say, hey, church, how come you're not doing it? You, you say, okay, what has God called you to do? If we can partner with you, great. But it may not be, God may not have that in the cards. He may be that he wants you to do it. In this story, this very short passage I'm going to read, there's a lady who comes to a synagogue. She's, she's got an infirmity. She's bent over, crippled, practically crippled for 18 years. And it's on the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day was the day that the religious people didn't do healings, didn't do work. Again, this is religion. Religion can get in the way of you serving God. <laughs> oh, <laughs> religion can get in the way of you serving God. God. God is not on the clock. He is the clock. In the beginning, he started time. So there's no time. And when, when he tells you to do something, it's time. And so Jesus is in the synagogue and all the religious people come. We don't, we don't, we don't do work on the, on, on the Sabbath. And, and to heal this person would be work. There is no law against loving people. Now, I'm going to tell you something. There is no law against loving people. That means there's no person, zero. Everyone say zero. Say settle. That's zero in Spanish. Say settle. Say zero. There is uh, 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 nobody that should be excluded from the love of God. Nobody. And so the religious people will say, you can't love that person. You can't love that person. you got to be mean to that person. Listen to what I'm telling you. Because our culture is so divided. And religious people will say, you have to treat that person bad and that person good. No, no, no. There is nobody. Sometimes when you're nice to certain people, they think you're bad. You certainly love that person because of what they believe or how they live. No, no, no. Nobody. So this lady is in the synagogue and she's walking around and Jesus is going to heal her and the religious people are going to get on him because it's the Sabbath. And he's going to say, no, no, no. We, 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 we're on God's timetable. And so as a church, I want to encourage you. As a do something church that you are always thinking, how am I putting my faith into action? Because it is not about information. The gospel is not information. It's a person. It's a relationship with a person. And that person's not dead. He's alive. He's resurrected. So he's moving and acting and doing stuff. Amen. Come on now. Look what it says in chapter 13, verse 10. It says, now as he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, everyone say Sabbath. Remember, this is the day that technically you're supposed to rest. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years. Everyone say 18 years. And was bent over and could no way raise herself. So she was doing the gritty all day. She was just walking around like this. <laughs> that, was her, that was her flow. <laughs> when Jesus saw her, he called to her and said to her, Woman, you are loose from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Just like that. Now, here's the thing. In the, if you read the Gospels, Jesus was never in a hurry. He never had a shout, never had a scream. He flowed. And miraculous stuff happened because he was so connected with the Father. And so he's in the, in the synagogue. This lady comes walking in, and she's walking in. And he knows she's been like that for 18 years. He says, woman, you are loose. She, she was bound up. There are so many people who are bound up by the devil. Okay, and he set her loose and she glorified God. Real simple. Now, before I go any further, I want to encourage you. You can do that. Now, you may not be able to do it today. You don't believe. You don't know how to do it. You don't have the faith to do it, whatever. But God has the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same spirit by through which he did that is in you. And we have in our mind, matter of fact, I was, I was, I was just, I met a, a young man, I, I didn't meet him, I saw him yesterday, and he 
um, used to fellowship with us and he left and he's at a different place. And I said, how's your heart? And he says, my eyes have been open. I really see the, that miracles can happen. And I said, is that part of why you left? He says, yeah, but now I see it. I want to encourage you to just trust what the Bible says. And don't get caught up in what people have told you if it's contrary to what the Bible says. And so if the Bible says that you, the things that Jesus did, you can do it even greater things, believe that and then pursue it. Now, it's not that you're going to go to the mall tomorrow and see someone in a wheelchair and say, get up, and they don't get up. You're like, well, that didn't work. <laughs> You know, it's like, you know, you don't go to the gym and then walk out looking ripped in one day. Okay, that didn't work. I paid $5.95 and I, and I went to one train that didn't fix me. Well, you took 20 years to jack your life up. It's going to take some time to get it back in together. So you want, you, want to, you want to give God some time. So look what it says in verse 14. The ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, attitude, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, there are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. So the religious guy, listen to what he's saying. He said, look, this is not the day to be helping people. <laughs> the lady had been crippled for 18. She could wait one more day. <laughs> We're going to worship God today. This ain't a day to help people. No, you can never decouple worshiping God and helping people. Those two things go together. Are y'all, are, y'all, are y'all with me now? <laughs> Those two things go together. And so, so then the Lord answered, verse 15, the Lord said, hypocrite. Everyone say hypocrite. Hypocrite. Hmm. hypocrite means an actor. You're an actor. You're not really that character. You're, you're, you're portraying a different character. Pour your spirit out. And it ain't really me. Pour your spirit out. You're acting. And I'm not saying if you were singing that song we were singing five minutes ago that you're acting, but there's some people, I'm giving a metaphor that you can be singing, saying Jesus, all kinds of stuff, but it's not really who you are. It's just how you're acting here. So he said you're, to the religious, the, the synagogue ruler, you're, you're an actor. You're acting like you know God. You're acting like you, you represent God, but you really don't. Because if you really did, you would understand that that lady's infirmity is more important than your, 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 your tradition. And it says, hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it. Everyone say, think of it. 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath. And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame and all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Three things, then I'm going to bring some people out and I'm going to, I'm going to give three quick points and then we're going to uh, pray and we're going to do some interviews on all the campuses. And, and, and before I do that, I want to say happy birthday to all the campuses. When we started this church, we never thought we'd have campuses that wasn't in this, the realm of reality because it didn't happen. Uh, it, it, it wasn't hardly existing. Now it is amazing and I, I thank God for all of you and all the campuses. Um, number one, uh, be aware of the needs around you. Ask God to open your eyes to the needs around you. Ask God to open your eyes to the needs around you. Number two, go to those needs. Listen, of course, invite your friends to church. But that's not the end of it. 
It's only part of it. When you go to work, bring, you are, whether you realize it or not, bringing the presence of God to your job. You're bringing the presence of God to every conversation. You're bringing the, the presence of God to every confrontation. Bring the presence of God and bring the presence and the peace of God and the reconciliation of God and the love of God to every situation. That's, that's a do something church. Lord, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And sometimes you may find yourself in the middle of something because God wants to, he wants to bring his solution to it. Ask God to show you the needs of people. When you're talking to somebody, say, God, show me what's really getting, what's really got this person anxious. What's really going on with this person? When you say hello to somebody, ask yourself, and when they say, how you doing? They go, I'm fine. Pause. Are you really okay? <laughs> That's right. Don't be shocked. And then say, okay, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Okay, so be aware of the needs, go to those needs, and then, and then meet the need to the best of your ability. Do your part to help somebody. Do your part to help somebody. As a church, if we have that mentality, we will be a do-something church, and we'll continue to help the people outside the building, and of course, the people inside the building. I want to pray. I want to bring some people out, and we're going to do a few interviews. I want you to get to know some people here at the church, and I pray that it inspires you. And um, all the other campuses, I know you have different celebrations there. People take pictures, post. Um, uh, and also, before I go, go see, this is a whole announcement in and of itself, go see the movie Jesus Revolution. Mm-hmm. Amen. There's a revival stirring, there's a revival stirring in our country. And in that movie, uh, it's about Calvary Chapel, Chuck Smith, Greg Laurie. Um, I was raised in one of those Calvary Chapel movies. My pastor, Mike McIntosh, was one of those hippies doing heroin in that movie. They didn't say his name, but he was in that crew. Um, And so you are connected to that. We're an extension of that. So um, go see that movie and... um, uh, Let's pray for a revival to continue to spread throughout the country and throughout the world. Lord, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you so much for your goodness. And I pray for all the campuses. Um, I pray that you would bless their interviews, bless their celebration. I pray you would encourage all the people there as there are so many people here. Today's their first day. They don't have the... 23-year history that we have, but I pray as they come and stand on the shoulders of all the people who have served and given and labored to get us to this point, that they would adopt the do-something culture and values that we can continue the legacy of serving our city, serving Oahu, San Diego, and wherever people go to serve, that we would be a do-something church. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Oh, you switched? Okay, what's up? Everyone say, what's up, Sequoia? (laughs) Say, how you doing, Heather? Hi. (laughs) Say, how you doing, Rebecca? Hello. Can can everybody say Sequoia? Sequoia. Say, Heather. Heather. Say, Rebecca. So we just want to talk a little bit. We want to talk a little bit. And Sequoia, he's the, he's the young guy here. He's 18 years old. Amen. Sequoia, Sequoia, tell us about your life before you came here to The Rock. 
if you can remember back that far because you were a little kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I, I joined the Rock Church when I was in the fifth grade. And um, so before that, um, I, I was just raised in um, a really life-giving Christian home. And my, my parents really, like, had a great role in um, my upbringing. And, um, you know, I was... I was shown like what what it means to um, be in ministry in the church, so um, that like really helped give me a foundation to like what what it means to be a follower of Christ, and um, yeah. So I looked up to uh, like the way that the Rock uh, served the community and the city, and I really looked up to how like the the Rock awesome does that. Yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember asking Christ into your life? Because you're one of the few of us in here that grew up. Like, like I would assume, y'all came from some heathen environments. <laughs> I know I did. <laughs> I didn't know God till later in my life. Do you remember asking God into your life when you were a little kid? Um, I always like when, ever since I was a little kid, I've always felt connected to God. Um, I I was raised like like how I said like my parents like really. Um, like instilled upon me like a, a solid like upbringing and I, I was just I always had the connection with God and um, I, I remember like this one time it is a silly story but um, I was making uh, like this uh, chain link like uh, paper craft thing and I was sitting and um, I was sitting with my dad and we were just belly laughing I, I felt the the presence of God like in in my heart and so much joy like overwhelmed me and um, like I just feel like, ever since I was a little kid, like I, I felt connected to God. Awesome. And, yeah. Awesome. Well, that's that's amazing. That's amazing. Usually, usually when I meet people like that, a, a lot of pastors, that, friends I have, have grown up like that, and God probably has a, an amazing plan for your life that we're gonna watch right here before our eyes. Heather, talk about, tell us about your life before. If you can remember back before Christ was in your life. All right. Mine's a little bit longer than his. <laughs> um, I was born and raised in San Diego. My father was Catholic, so I was raised Catholic. Uh, Ten years old, my parents split. I ended up going with my mom. Uh, she was a Christian but wasn't so much into church. So when the opportunity not to come to church came, um, we didn't go. So I wasn't attending church up until about the age of 18. Now, I've been at my current job now for 25 years. This is my 25th year there. And an outside vendor had been coming in and bugging me to go to church with him over and over. And I kept saying no. And I finally agreed. And he ended up taking me to go see Pastor Miles at Horizon. And I literally have been attending ever since. And have followed him from San Diego State to Ruffin Road to that hotel, to this hotel, to here. And now I attend here as well as my daughter. Now, when she says hotel, we were having church at hotels, okay? <laughs> Just because I know people are like, uh-huh, uh-huh. She slipped. I got her on tape. So <laughs> just, just so you know, when we get the emails, my wife's sitting right there. Everything's cool. Everything's cool. So Horizon was a church that I was a youth pastor at from 1986 um, to... Um, 2000, I changed roles. I was a youth pastor. Then I became a teaching pastor on Sunday night. And we left there in 2000 to start The Rock. But that was where she came. So that was in 1999. Correct. The Prince was with us over there in 1999. Y'all he was, he was, missed it. That was right over your head. Prince, 1999. Okay. 
Becca. So Come Becca's on. husband. Oh, tell us. Tell us before you. Um, uh, before you came to the Lord, your life as much as you want to share. Okay. So before I came to the Lord, I I knew about God. I knew a little bit of Bible, you know, stories here and there. I grew up um, in a home. I went to Catholic school my whole life, um, literally from kindergarten all the way through high school, which was awesome. And it really um, helped me become a little bit introduced into who God was. Um, growing up, I experienced um, addiction. I was addicted to alcohol. I was addicted to marijuana. I was addicted to attention from males. And I was so angry and so hurt and a lot of my upbringing um, just resulted in me looking for all the things I believed I needed in all the wrong places. I would be in college, I would be downtown, I would be in TJ, I would be in Pacific Beach, just Mm -hmm. getting Mm -hmm. crazy. And honestly, I was driving here this morning and Holy Spirit reminded me that some weekends I would drive up, I would wake up so early to go downtown to drive to pick up my car because of the situations I was in. And I just was so grateful that I was driving early this morning to come here to honor God and to be with him and to be with you all. So it was just completely night and day, completely. Sometimes, you know, when I'm listening to Rebecca, and sometimes when I hear testimonies, I didn't know her, that version of her. She's like sweet Polly Purebred right now. And her husband is the executive pastor who runs everything here. And they love God and they're here 24 hours. They got, they got 19 kids under the age of seven. <laughs> Tell them how old your kids are. Uh, I have my son. He is five years old. His name is Ezra. I have a daughter. She is three. Her name is Eloise. And then we have twins. And they'll be two next month, Adariah and Matthias. And they, those kids are like, we, were at, we had an evangelism training yesterday. And Ezra was on his knees in front of the cross praying, crying. And he's five years old. I don't know if he was looking for candy or he was praying. He was doing something. He doesn't eat candy, Pastor. Oh, boy. See what I'm saying? He don't eat candy. That brother eats ice cream because he's been eating my ice cream in the back. Okay, okay, okay. Um, Sequoia, tell us what you do now here at the church. Um, So I'm I'm currently involved in the youth ministry. I'm a youth leader here. Um, And you're 18. Yeah, and I'm 18. Yep. Yep. And And I'm um, I'm also in the Rock School ministry. I'm enrolled in my second year. Um, doing that, and then um, I finished the pastoral support training program and was commissioned last summer. So you, PST, uh, amen, amen. PST, you're in Ross School of Ministry, you, uh, youth ministry, fifth grade is junior high? You're helping junior high? Uh, yeah, yeah, I've been here you're, since junior high. Really, and, and what do you want to do when you, what do you see in your future? Um, I don't know. I'm really like waiting to see like what God is going to like do with like my ministry and like where um, God has been equipping me for. Uh, we'll see where God takes me. I'm, I'm really um, just excited to see like how God is going to use um, the gifts that he's given me and the training and all the tools that he's been equipping me with. It's been um, a great journey. So, Amen. Well, I, I feel pastor. I feel pastor in you coming out because... You, you know, God, it's like God set you aside as a kid for something that he has for you. And he, it just seems like he's grooming you to something. And, and I, let, let's lift our hands towards him real quick because the, the, 
that this young generation is so, such a target because they are the future. And um, I, I've been going to high schools for 40 years. And I was at his high school the other day, two days ago, three days ago. And I did an assembly. And he goes to public school. And the, the, the young generation in this whole, it, it, our whole culture has targeted them. And this guy seems like God has set him aside. Can I get amen on it? Lord, we just pray for Sequoia and we pray for whatever you have for him in his life. We pray that you would continue to protect him, guard him, surround him with godly people that can pray for him and discern your future for his life. And I pray um, that you would order his steps. Tell him when to go right. Tell him when to go left. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Heather with the with the bling sneakers. Uh, what do you What do you do here at the church now? I'm currently in hospitality. Talk about that. Tell, tell me what God is, is. Yeah, how what you do and how God's blessing you with that. All right. So with hospitality, as you see the people that are greeting you as you walk in, helping you get seated. If you have any questions, we're helping direct you and get you involved in any classes, or if you're interested in serving. Um, so we're involved in all of that, as well as we meet on a regular time and get together and pray over each other. What impact has The Rock had on your life from when we met, uh, um, I was going to say something, we met in 1999, or we didn't meet, but from 1999, but even since we started the church, you've been coming here. How has God impacted your life? God has impacted my life from the minute I started coming to church. I've started seeing different results in different areas of my life. However, it wasn't until more recently, about three years ago, when I was living with my boyfriend. And due to other reasons, we moved out, but we were still remaining in a relationship that I committed myself fully to God, which was a huge change, obviously, in the relationship. But that, I want to say, is where the biggest step of God came into my life, where miracles were happening left and right in my workplaces, in my finances, in my family, in my relationships, in my friendships. Um, and then coming in here and serving became the next step for me and attending the life class, which was huge, which introduced me to the hospitality is where I'm in now. And then from there, I got involved with um, a small group. And I want to say the small group as what has brought me even more closer to God because I have that relationship with my girlfriends that I can confide in and that can hold me accountable and I hold them accountable and we pray over each other. So having that has all started from then and then on top of it, it's like having the hospitality has made this huge church my home. Like, I, I know you, I know you. I say hi, I hug you. So, I mean, it has made this church such a smaller church, a home and a community that I feel so welcoming and loved when I come in here. And I love that I can pray on you as well as you're praying on me when you're just walking by. So. I want to go back. Amen. Amen. I want to go back to before three years ago, because there are a lot of people who come to church and, and, they, and they, they come to church, they live a, a double life. They come to church, but yet they're living a double life. And they know at some point I got to be committed and do the right thing. They're living with somebody, they're doing drugs, whatever they're doing. And that represents a lot of y'all, all of us. And probably all of us at some level, there's something that God's trying to pry out of our life. Can I get an amen? And we live with it. And because God hasn't body slammed us, we think he's okay with it. But he's patient. And what God does, he allows us to ruin ourselves. 
Because he says, until you realize it yourself, you know, if I take it from you, you're just going to grab it back. And so tell us about what was going on inside of you before three years ago that they may relate to to say, that's happening to me. And it may just be a small, small voice. You don't need to get into any detail you don't want to share. But something was going on in your heart, in your mind, where you're going, I got to do this. I mean, so I have a 12-year-old daughter that I had out of wedlock. And um, having her open my eyes to a lot of different perspectives, because I want to make sure that I'm raising her right and raising her in this world, 100% you need Jesus. And I need her to know that. And by be an example, which is the only thing I can do to make sure that she's seeing mom doing it. So the turmoil of having her see me in this relationship that I'm not married and that it's, there's the arguments and there was drinking. Um, it, was a, it was a battle. And so I had to decide how am I going to be for my daughter as well as for me. Like I'm fighting this, trying to put on a front for her when in actuality I'm putting on a front for me that I had to separate myself and remove it and let God break me down to where moving out was honestly one of the hardest things I did. I didn't know, could I afford it on my own? We'd been living together for so long, finances started to merge. So it was like, can I do it on my own? Um, Are we still gonna have a relationship? Is my daughter gonna be proud or is she gonna be hurt? How does that relationship separating now that she's with me and no longer full-time in a house of three? I mean, there was a lot of battles that I was having to go through, but I mean, here we are three years later, and we are thriving, for lack of a better term. And we are God-filled. If you've seen her, she helps serve at the church, too. And nothing about it was easy, but it was all putting it in God's hands and saying, here I am. I, I surrender. I can't do it on my own, and I need you. Amen. Okay, so here's, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. By a show of hands, by a show of hands, in your own way, how many of y'all have a situation where you're like, dang, I need to take a step of faith and I'm scared? Okay, lift your hand up really high. Lift your hand up really high. Don't put your hand down, please. Just wave your hand like that. (laughs) Okay, the reason I want you to wave your hand, look at the motion. Look around the room. Look around the room. Okay, you know what? (laughs) They're back there like this. Okay, you can put your hands down. Here's the thing. The Bible says the just, the righteous shall walk by faith. By faith. And in a minute we're going to pray. And I want to pray for all of y'all because I want to challenge you to take that step of faith and watch what God does. And God is not going to change the rules for you. It's by faith. And, And so before we do that, I want you to talk about your step of faith from what you described to what you're doing now. To who you are now. I mean... To be honest, I didn't want to let go of alcohol. That was a big thing. That was my biggest stronghold. And it took a good nine months to a year. My husband, he was, he was free from it. He, he, I wouldn't say he was an alcoholic, but that consumed our day-to-day um, for the most part. And so for me, I really had to let go of what I believed was fulfilling me in my heart, my spirit, my mind. And I really had to trust that taking that out of literally my system um, I was going to allow the truth to wash over me, my husband pray over me, um, my home, a sober home, like that was unheard of. People who know me growing up and, and all that, they're like, what? What's happening here? Um, so just knowing that I didn't know what the word was, I was so 
frustrated because I grew up Catholic and I had this big old Catholic Bible, but I had never read it in my home. And I had my Bible on my bed, crying, weeping with my husband. Why, what does this mean? How am I gonna study and learn these words when I've been exposed to this my whole life? And what, what does it mean? How does it look? And he, he would just listen and he would just encourage me and like Heather getting into a small group and starting to be around believers who really were hungry to look more like Jesus. I had to trust that that's where our life was turning and having other people to do it with really made a difference. So what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna get on my knees and pray for you. Uh, we have a life class and that's where you learn your gifts. You, you kind of, it's kind of like our membership class, but it's not membership formally and we have it today at 11 o'clock in the uh, cafe here. One day life class once a month. Um, but I'm going to pray for all y'all who had your hands up because you're at a point in your life where if you could just take that one step, if you could just take that one step, your life will change. When I was 19, I heard the gospel. I asked the Lord to come into my life. I had nobody to teach me anything. Five years, I kept doing drugs, did start doing cocaine, living buck wild. And then I took a step. April 12, 1984, I said, God, I'm, I'm throwing everything into you. Stop doing cocaine in one day. Stop smoking weed in one day. Got back on my girlfriend, who's now my wife, that same day, 39 years ago. Amen. Come on, sister. But it, I, had, I had to make a decision. I had to make a decision. I had to make a decision. Here and here, I'm going to do this. And I remember going to a club, uh, I don't know, very short after that. And I walked out the club, walked in the club, walked around the club, eh, walked out and said goodbye. I ain't doing this no more. And so I don't know what your thing is, but man, if you could trust God, God has never let you down. Can I get amen? If, if, if life was fair, if God was fair, you'd be dead. Because Jesus died for us. So we've had enough sin to die for. And so I want to pray for you, and, and then I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith and come down here so we can pray for you. But I'm going to pray that you make a decision today to say, Lord, I am ready, I'm ready to trust you with my life. I'm ready to do something about that in my heart that, that caused you to raise your hand a few minutes ago. Okay? So I'm going to ask all of you to bow your heads and every level in this room, 23-year anniversary, this is going to be the first day of the rest of your life that you'll look back on. The 23rd anniversary, I changed, I made a decision that God would change my life forever. Lord, there's a couple thousand people that raised their hand here today because they're struggling with a decision that would change the trajectory of their life. They're struggling with, do they trust you? That's the only decision. It's not, do they understand what's going to happen? That is true. But the bottom line is, do they trust you? The Bible says the just, the justified, the righteous, God's children shall walk by faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I trust God's speaking to me. I trust God's leading me. But I don't see what will happen in the future if I trust him. But I, but I feel he's telling me to move. He's telling me to decide. He's telling me to make a change. He's telling me to delete phone numbers, 
throw something in the trash, pour something down the drain, delete apps on my phone. You all know what your issue is. He's telling me to not call that person back. Because he wants and deserves my whole heart. So if that's you, for whatever reason, he's telling you to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and read your Bible. He's telling you to stop making excuses why you can't read and pray because you're too busy. There's nothing more important than your Savior. He can redeem your time. So if, if that's you and you want to not be able to have to raise your hand to that question tomorrow, pray this prayer with me in the privacy of your heart. Pray, dear God, I know you're calling me to trust you. And I know that you know how hard it is. What I'm doing, how I'm living, how I see myself has, is all I know. But you have something so much better for me. So I trust you. I surrender my life to you. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to take me by the hand and lead me out of my wilderness into the promised land. As our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, if you prayed that prayer, I'm just going to ask you, as our eyes are closed, heads are bowed, just get up out of your seat and come on down to the altar. If you're in the balcony, if you just get up, walk to the back and turn to the right or left and they'll lead you down. But as our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, if you prayed that prayer, just get up out of your seat right now. Remember, we're do something, church, and if the Spirit is leading you to do something, just do it. And come on, all the way down to the altar, right to the stage, right where I'm standing, all the way down. Come on, yes, yes, come on down, come on down, come on down. Come up out of your seat, come on out of your seat. God bless you, God bless you. God bless you, 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 God bless you. Come on, come on, church, come on, church, come on, church. Come on, church. Just get up out of your seat, come on down. God is going to reward you. God's going to reward your faith. God's going to reward your faith. He's going to, he's going to hear you. He's going to respond to you. Come on. He's got, he's got your answer. Yes. Come on. 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 <laughs>